What is up, guys, and welcome to The Self-Design Show, a podcast completely centered around helping other people unite and become the best versions of themselves. So, in any effort to break any negative stigma towards mental health, I will be interviewing professionals and members of the community to share with us their stories and learnings from them. Today, I am with a professional therapist. His name is Ben Holland, and I love and appreciate Ben so much. He, uh, he has worked in all fields of mental health and with therapy, whether that be with trauma or with marriage or dating or with a college student or whatever it is, he has seen all different kinds of mental health. And we're super excited to have him here today and to help us, you know, normalize mental health and to, you know, beat that negative stigma towards mental health. Ben, I'm so excited to have you. Hey, I'm excited to be here. And, uh, I'll be a little bit vulnerable in saying this, and I hope this is okay, Ben. And if, if not, we can always take it out. But the reason that I appreciate Ben so much, and I've told this story in the podcast before, but there was a time that I was going through a little bit of a difficult situation. And it was in those moments, I kind of had these feelings of like, oh, I'm like, I don't have a mental illness or like, I'm not depressed. And I was going through all these different things. And uh, Ben, we had ran into each other and he had helped me realize like, hey, that's okay. And we can work through these things. It's okay that you're feeling these things. And he was able to, to guide me through some therapy sessions and help me become, I guess, one with myself and just really help me there. So I guess just first off, just thank you for that. And, and thank you for getting me to where I am today. Well, absolutely. Um, yeah, you, you're, this is totally fine for you to disclose anything about your own help and support. That's totally within your right. And, and um, I think if anything, it's more helpful for you know, your, your listeners to, to be able to identify with. So by all means, anything that you feel like you want to share, uh, feel free. Awesome. Yeah. And, and as we go into this, some stuff that we're going to talk about, we'll, we'll let Ben introduce himself a little bit and why he decided to get into mental health, but some stuff that we're going to talk about today and something that both of us are very passionate about is this, the stigma that, that there is towards mental health. Um, some things that listeners might be going through in this moment is they might feel like if they're going through depression or anxiety or through a hard time that they're weak or that they're unsure whether or not they should start going to therapy or there's a fear of going to therapy or what other people think about them. And that is all stuff that I have gone through. There's kind of this, this idea towards mental health that if you have it, then you're broken. And we're going to talk about a little bit more about that perspective and how it's not as true as we think it is. But before we go into those topics and before Ben gives us some of his insight as a therapist, maybe you can just tell us why did you want to get into therapy to, to begin with? Um, it was definitely a, a, a journey in getting here. Um, most of my life I had pursued uh, uh, a career in military service and um, I really wanted to be an uh, Air Force pilot. Um, so I think even from just being a young kid growing up, I was just very geared towards service. Um, I, I was in scouting, uh, did a lot of service with my dad. Um, he was, he was kind of a, a leader in the area that we lived in. And so he, we lived in a really small town. And so my dad was kind of a really well-known name of someone in the community that people could rely on. And I just saw the joy that came from helping others in that way. And he just always had me with them, you know, and, and so we would do wood projects and, and cut wood and split wood and do all sorts of different things for people in the community. And um, I, I just, everything about my life kind of started to revolve around this theme of like, there is purpose and meaning and significance in supporting others and helping others. And I just found the joy that I saw the joy that my dad had in that. And it, I just, it kind of caught fire with me. And so I think that's what kind of fueled the flame for like military service. Um, it, it eventually led me to uh, a mission trip to Brazil um, and also to Orlando, Florida and uh, you know, serving other people of other faiths and non-faith. I, I just developed a love for people that way. Um, doors closed to military service and other doors opened up and I found myself really confused and extremely depressed um, because this pathway that I had always had was like gone. And so um, I, I was dealing with a lot of depression, anxiety after um, I got out of um, Air Force ROTC and felt like I needed some sort of life direction. So I just started taking general studies um, 
and ended up taking a general psych class. And I just fell in love with the concepts of it. Um, and that's kind of what led me in the direction of psychology counseling um, was just a random class that I took in my general studies and uh, something significant um, just took flame in my life. It just like sparked this fire, uh, this need to, to like learn more and more and more about like psychology and how people function. Um, I, I entertained at that time um, another going back into military service and maybe taking a different road than the pilot. Um, I thought about being a military chaplain and that's really what got me into really pursuing like psychology because I figured if I was going to work with people in the military, I better know how to work with people. <laughs> so um, that that's kind of the, the story um, of what got me really invested in, in having a passion for helping other people was, was um, I had a lot of great examples in my life of the joy that comes from supporting others. Um, I, I dealt with a lot of my own issues and struggles. Um, I had a brother die of brain cancer when I was in high school. It led to really, uh, really, really poor coping strategies on my part and addiction related issues that, you know, I still have to face and, and navigate through till today. So um, some things just kind of stick with us for, for a good duration of our, our lives. Um, so, but does that, does that help kind of set the groundwork for? Yes. For yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think it's amazing because at least for me, when I thought about going to a therapist or, or wanting to go to a therapist, you kind of picture this, these picture perfect people that know exactly 100% what they need to do with their lives. They don't have any problems, but I like how you had mentioned, and we're so vulnerable in the sense that you're like, Hey, I went through it in college. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Even today, I go through hard times. Uh, we were just talking about a little bit ago that you needed to take some time off of work to cope with them, some things. And so I think it's amazing. And I think this is a great segue point of, of even professionals that know what's going on still go through stuff. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. I think the, the best professional you could end up with is the one that is actually going to therapy themselves. <laughs> um, because one, they know what it's like to sit in that seat across from the professional and get really vulnerable. And so when they're in that position of supporting and helping others, they're really more mindful of the, the things that they're asking people to do. Right. Um, and, and they can identify with that process. So that was actually one of the requirements of my, my master's program was you had to be in therapy yourself wow. throughout, throughout the program. Um, and that was really, really important, uh, growing period in my life because I was trying to do a four year program in two and a half years or a three year program in two and a half years. Dang. Um, I ended up burning out, um, getting extremely depressed, shutting down, um, having to take several incompletes for classes and then having to finish those classes later And this program eventually took me four years to complete. So um, I started realizing like um, a lot of people get stuck in this, the sense of like competing for like how to get things done the fastest. And it's not always the healthiest. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I have a lot of personal experience with different things. That's really helped me have a lot of more compassion for others when they're, when they're trying to navigate through the challenges that life, you know, obviously will ultimately always throw at us, you know? So yeah. And I, and I appreciate, man, I just appreciate that you're so open about it. And, and for those that are listening, if you're going through those things, it's obvious that other people are going through. I mean, here we have a therapist. I've gone through it myself. We, we've seen other people on the show that have gone through the same thing. And so I guess the first thing to just say off is if you're going through any of these things, you're not alone. Obviously, there's a group of us that have felt that. And, and where I want to take that is as a therapist, as a professional that has worked with, with many people, your practices in, in marital and, and family therapy, is that right? No. So um, I actually, I focus primarily on like group therapy. Okay. Um, I specialize both in trauma crisis and mostly like pornography related issues or uh, sexual related uh, impulsive behaviors, that sort of stuff for both okay. men and women. So um, I do work with a lot of couples um, and do marriage 
marriage therapy. Um, so I, I have a lot of, you know, experience in those areas, but the, those three areas in particular are what I specialize in most. So, uh, okay. Crisis deals mostly with kind of those high risk situations when people are really contemplating, uh, death, um, suicide, just kind of ending, ending life. They, they just feel so desperate and hopeless. Um, they're tired of hurting. The pain has just been so persistent and like nonstop. It, it just doesn't seem to go away ever. And it like the chronic nature or the long, long period that it takes just really helps people feel just beat down. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they can't, they just don't want to live that way anymore, you know? So um, that's when I come into the scene. Um, sometimes crisis is, you know, say if there's an, an automobile accident or something, people are just kind of like, you know, shell shocked or just really out of it. And, and uh, that's where I'd come in and help them try to get more present and make sure that they know that they can cope through that. Um, so, and then I do a lot of trauma-based work. Um, I, I, uh, in trauma, a lot of times people don't really understand what trauma is. Trauma is having some sort of event or um, issue come up in your life that you do not know how to cope with. And any time that you have something that reminds you of whatever event or events that had occurred prior, your body will have the exact same response as though you're reliving it over and over and over and over again. So it's kind of like uh, these, these events frozen in time, but they just keep presenting themselves in, like in this moment. Okay. So there's, there's smaller traumas and then there's uh, big, big T traumas. And then there's traumas that are all caps, you know? And so a lot of times when we just kind of simplify understanding like trauma is, is not knowing how to deal with um, an event that took place and it's just in your body mm-hmm. and your body doesn't know how to navigate through that. Even if you've rationally made sense of it, um, your body still doesn't make sense of it. And so there's right. a disconnect there. So I do a lot of trauma work, um, work with a lot of uh, rape victims, a lot of military personnel who um, combat based PTSD, um, you know, just a, a, a lot of different things. I've, I've worked with different professionals who, you know, first responders, um, but even just individuals who've had personal traumas in their life, they've seen something mm-hmm. uh, dramatic or, or just extremely um, not typical, but, you know, horrible. And they just can't get certain thoughts out of their mind or whatever. And so, um, I, I, I love working with, uh, trauma victims and, and kind of helping them navigate through that. Yeah. Um, and then, the then the, the specialization and, and like, uh, sexual impulsive behaviors, I have my own history in that with, uh, pornography addiction. And, and so like, um, I, I really dedicated a lot of my work, life's work to helping individuals navigate through that. Um, because I get the battle. I understand the, the struggle uh, just on an individual basis. But like, I think my clientele really appreciates knowing that I know, not just on a professional level. It's like, I get it. Like for reals, I get it because I, I've been there before. Right. And so um, I just know how many issues come up for people with, with these, these things. And they're pretty typical. Um, they're just not talked about a lot, especially, especially for women too. Like a lot, it, it's typically assumed in our, our, our culture that men have the pornography issues or that sort of stuff. But um, we find that like one in three clicks to view pornography online is from a woman. Hmm. So um, many, many, many women, struggle with this but don't feel like they have like access to treatment because it's a guy's thing and women don't do that sort of thing which is just false it's it's false that so many many women have that issue but they don't know where to turn because of stigma right Um, and so it's definitely an issue for them being able to gain and get access to treatment 
when there's so many stick, like such a huge social stigma surrounding like who actually deals with that sort of thing. Right. So then to build off of that, you, you've talked about some of the people that you've worked with, whether, whether it was trauma patients or, or victims of a sexual assault or um, people that deal with some kind of addiction, whether that's pornography or, or something else. Mm-hmm. What is, as far as like normalizing mental health challenges goes, what do you think, especially right now, because I feel like something that everyone kind of hears through the grapevine or they're seeing it on TikTok or Instagram about like, oh, like during this COVID-19 crisis, mental health, you know, struggles have gone up and suicide rates have gone up. And obviously like that's an issue. That's not a good thing. And Mm -hmm. so with that being said, what do you think, and I don't mean to create another stigma or create a normality of what everybody's going through, because I think it's different. I think it's individual. But yeah. what would you say that the majority of people are going through at this moment? Well, I mean, the everything that we know about like good mental health has us connecting with others and having healthy relationships. Um, so you're in this, we're in this pandemic that like the solution to overcoming a lot of the issue is isolation, right? social distancing, like not even being able to, touch or hold another person or give them a hug or, you know, a slap on the back or something, but like physical touch is one of the huge, huge things that help us as human beings regulate our emotions. And we, we usually take that for granted because, you know, we, we, we tend to get touch on a regular basis and even small, small forms, and we don't even realize it, you know, um, mm-hmm. sitting on the couch with some buddies, you know, playing Xbox or something like it, um, people rub shoulders every once in a while. They don't even know, it, you know, um, but like every time like you get some form of like safe physical touch, there's this chemical oxytocin that releases in the body and it helps you feel bonded and connected. It also helps you. It's the chemical that helps you feel really safe. Um, and so you take touch out of the equation and all of a sudden you're going to start feeling insecure, right? Um, you're going to feel insecure and lonely and not connected. And so all of a sudden, like, uh, any free time that you have in your head, which is probably going to be a lot because of the social distancing, um, our, our mind tends to go toward the negative and that's to be human. Um, and people wonder why do, why does the brain automatically revert back to like negative things? And it's, it's, there's actually an explanation for it. We are hardwired to protect ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, everything about our bodies is hardwired for this like fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a third one in there. It's called freeze. But it's, it's just the body's way of making sure that I'm safe, okay? And so if, if, I, if I'm thinking of different ways to keep myself safe, what will typically happen is um, a lot of times if I don't feel safe in a social setting or opening up or being vulnerable, then the safe bet is to isolate, right? Um, the problem with that is if I stay in isolation too long, I tend to start to think about my past and or my future. And that's where depression and anxiety come in. Okay. Um, depression is about an overemphasis of thought regarding what I've done in the past or what's happened to me that wasn't fair or right. And then anxiety deals with like future issues, like my concerns, my worries, my fears about what's going to happen next. And that can be three seconds from now, uh, three weeks from now, three years from now, but it's, it's about this fear of the future. And so, um, when left alone in our own thoughts, we tend to start to overthink our past and our future. And so that's why I think a lot of people are dealing with like a ton of mental health issues right now, especially with just anxiety, depression. Um, and, and I think a lot of times because it's such a, uh, typical experience that we we as human beings experience anxiety and we feel down and depressed sometimes i think we we underestimate the toll that it takes on the human spirit so to speak Mm -hmm. you know um and so a lot of people will minimize it They'll, they'll try to make it smaller than what it actually is 
having a toll in their life, right? Um, and I think sometimes it's really good to like normalize um, that like so many other people deal with it, but not to normalize in a way that I, I minimize it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, but to normalize it as like normalizing a situation is just to say, hey, you're not alone. Most people deal with these symptoms. Um, and then we take that in a way of addressing it and saying, because it is a common experience, we have a lot of information on knowing how to navigate through it. Mm-hmm. So we can actually pull together and actually, and have a lot of support for individuals that are feeling alone and isolated. Again, it's hard to do with like, you know, the pandemic we're doing zoom right now. <laughs> right. Like yeah. I, I, I would have preferably done this in person in, in uh, your space or something like that. Right. right. Um, and I think there's just a, a different feeling uh, of uh, personal closeness uh, greater vulnerability, a sense of like that vulnerability, feeling like it can connect people, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we have the ideal and then we have uh, what we can do. Exactly. So I think too, just, just based off of what you're saying, it is so true. And that is definitely something that I've gone through, especially like right when I had uh, started therapy is, is that's kind of when the pandemic had, had started hitting really hard here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, it's weird because not only do you feel isolated and alone, but like you were saying, then that leads to that depression and anxiety. And then because of those things that you're feeling, you feel like you can't go out and connect with other people. So it's like this vicious cycle that just like gets you trapped in this bubble of like, Mm -hmm. okay, first off, I'm not with people, but now I feel like I can't even connect with people at all. Yeah, exactly. And just to make this like, you know, normalize that, like I, myself as a therapist, like I'm experiencing the same symptoms as everybody else. You know, I've, I feel super isolated. Um, uh, when, when men tend to get depressed, we tend to present depression and being more irritable than normal. And so like, um, that's something my wife has helped point out me over the last, like just even the last week. Um, you know, one of the nights I was getting really frustrated with the boys, my children. And, uh, she's like, "Mm, I don't think you want to be that kind of parent. And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> I was like, I, I reflected on that for just like two seconds. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Like I didn't realize I was presenting in a certain way. Um, but like the stress of work and the stress of life and the stress of all the COVID stuff, like it, it just started taking a toll on me. And I started kind of projecting that out onto my family mm-hmm. and being more irritable and kind of short with, with the people that I love most. Right. And that's, that's a really common and typical thing is, you know, the people that we care about most tend to get the worst behavior from us. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, I, I, that was food for thought for me. And then, you know, even a few days later, I, I was having another experience, like kind of like the first one. And she's like, you're really irritable. Like what is going on? You know? And I I just started realizing like, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm feeling pretty depressed and anxious right now with everything going on. Um, Historically, you know, December, January tends to be more difficult to run a business um, because people are doing holidays and they're leaving and they're going, you know, uh, Christmas break and all that sort of stuff. And so it tends to be like a financial stressor. Right. And so like, those are common issues that people deal with around these times, this time of the year as well, on top of everything else. Right. So I'm definitely feeling the pressure. And so um, I, I just reassured my wife. I was like, Hey, you know, um, I recognize that I've been more irritable than normal. Um, I'm going to call my therapist today. So that I'm after right after this meeting, I'm going to shoot my, my therapist a text and be like, Hey, I need to set something up and uh, get back in into therapy just so I could make sure that I can kind of process and speak, um, speak out some of the things that I've been going through. Because as a professional, I don't have the right to go home and share the nitty gritty details of my day with my wife. Right. Right. And a lot of relationships thrive off of that sort of thing. Right. And so um, I have to find professional ways and, uh, you know, ethical ways to make sure that I can, I can express what I'm actually experiencing. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, my concerns about my clients and worries mm-hmm. about that. Cause right now I've got like eight clients and it's more than I ever have before who are dealing with like serious suicidal thoughts 
And some of them even have had plans and, you know, started to act out in different self-harm ways that it, it's got me really worried and concerned. You know, usually I'll have one to three, uh, but there's just something about what's going on in the world right now. I think politics plays into that as well. A lot mm-hmm. of insecurity, a lot of worries about a lot of different things. It all just kind of aligning right now. And, and a lot of people are feeling extremely insecure and worried about what's next. So, um, yeah, I just want to normalize. I'm a human being. Yeah. I'm not without issues. Um, and, and people are like, well, why would that put you in a position to be supportive? You can't even cope. I'm like, well, well, coping is, is not about, you know, zeroing out the emotional experience of being a human being. Coping is about making sure that you bring those emotions and in, down into like an energy zone that you can still use rational thought. Mm-hmm. So you're not reactive. Right. And so it, it coping in the coping strategies, it, a lot of people expect that it's just going to do away with all these emotions that I don't like to feel. And that's not the point of coping. The point is um, to be able to feel those feelings mm-hmm. without it overrunning you or you feeling like there's a freight train that like hits you and then backs up and runs over you again and then hits you again and then backs up over you multiple times, you know? So um, I don't know. Does you think that helps to just kind of normalize? Like I'm a human being. I deal with these things too. Um, We're all kind of in this together. Yeah. And, and I like how too you like, not only did you put yourself in this situation, but you said right now more than ever, because there is that, that loss of connection and there is that loss of, mm-hmm. of all that kind of stuff that this is probably what people are going through. And I was thinking about kind of where we could take what you were saying. In, and my first thought was to talk about the stigma, but I feel like there's this, there's this saying that, that I was taught when I was a little bit younger and it's don't ever throw a dead cat on the table. Like if you're just going to go and just talk about a problem and just like get frustrated about it and be like, Oh man, this needs to be fixed. Then like there really isn't a solution. You're just getting frustrated. And you're, I think what some people might call like trauma bonding, you're just getting frustrated at the fact that there's something wrong. But I do want to acknowledge that there is that stigma. And like you said, there's probably people that are listening. like, wow, like a therapist is struggling. Like how is that supposed to work? But I think with that too, it's, you mentioned the biggest cure, like the, the, the most helpful thing is connection. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything that any of us are going through, whether it's depression, anxiety, even suicidal thoughts, like I think the biggest and most helpful thing is when somebody close to you, instead of tries to coach you and give you advice through it, they're like, Hey, I have felt pain too. I know what you're going through to an extent. I have felt depressed. I have felt anxious. And the amount of just motivation that comes from that connection of like, holy smokes, I'm not alone. And I really can get through this is so, so special and so important. Yeah. Just being able to sit in, in the same emotional space as another person without always feeling like you have to be the solution. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes just being there is the solution. And, and um, I think, I think we can all learn how to be a little bit better at like proactive listening and just making sure that people feel like they're being heard and understood. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of people, when they're feeling depressed, they'll go to friends and their friends will just be like, well, there's a lot to be happy about. <laughs> it's just like, that's like the worst thing you can say to someone feeling depressed is like, look at the positive. And that's just not where they're at. Like you have to meet people where they're at and, and validate that what their experience is for them is true. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah, you're like, you're telling me that life really sucks right now. Well, it does. It's hard. (laughs) It is hard. And you feel like life isn't worth living. And there's a lot that's true about that. Maybe there is a lot in your life that isn't worth living for, right? And so like a lot of times we, we don't anticipate that the solution is to support an individual in the way that they feel. But until, and this is really important, until they feel fully heard and understood, and validated in the emotional state that they're in, they're not going to be willing to make a shift and change in how they think about things. You diffuse by supporting emotionally what another human being is experiencing, not by minimizing it, 
not by um, needing to make it bigger than what it is, not by um, trying to provide them with all the solutions in the universe, but simply by really making sure that they know that you identify with their emotional experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just u- universal. Um, I, 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 uh, I'm, uh, I have a big belief in God and, um, and there's certain scriptures that I, I love that kind of describe kind of the experience that all people, a lot of people deal with is like, God explains that my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways, your ways. And I think that's a great representation of how we're different here, mm-hmm. right? Our logic, our reasoning, the way we view the world is going to all be unique and different. And that's where we get the beautiful diversity in the world that we have. We're all unique individuals. Okay. But the thing, but you know, that diversity is also the thing that creates all sorts of wars and conflict and contention and fighting and all that sort of stuff too. Right. Like it's the reality that we all think different Mm -hmm. and we have preferences and likes and dislikes. So it's important to have that individuality, but then we also need to understand what connects us in all of our humanity. And that is our emotional experience right? Like there isn't a human being that doesn't experience some emotional thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so that's where we need to connect is like, I can always validate what you feel. I don't have to validate your behavior or your perspective or your values, but I can always value um, and validate what you feel. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so I, I think that's one of the big things that I think is, you know, as human beings, we can just all pull together and learn how to do a little bit better than what we've been doing. Um, and it takes time. It's a skill set. And I think just by virtue of being an adult, we think we should know because, um, you know, we, we just think that people should know better. But like how many of us had had educators in our life that was like, hey, this is how we deal with emotion and this is how we do it. Right. Like we just grow up thinking that we should be able to just figure it out because we're adults. And that's just not true. Yeah. Right. So um, information is power, especially when it's applied, mm-hmm. you know, so, but yeah, I, I can go on awesome rampages with this sort of stuff. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, I think something too is, is a lot of times I think, another stigma towards mental health um, and, and, and you brought this up is I feel like sometimes we feel like we can't connect with somebody. We feel like we can't, uh, somebody might be going through depression and anxiety and they come to us as a friend or a family member. And our first thought is, I don't really know how I can connect with them. So I'm just going to spit off some advice or just tell them that the grass is greener on the other side, mm-hmm. you know, just doing kind of what we've been taught growing up. And Something that I love that has been that's been shown through research, and this is going back to Brene Brown, and it's even been shown other ways, is something that she says that I love is she says, stop getting in this mindset that you know exactly what somebody's going through. You don't. The, 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 the details, you don't know the details. You don't know exactly what they're feeling, but you do know what pain feels like. Right. Or you do know what it feels like to be alone. And so connect on those things. And I think that's where you're saying that that connection or... Um, just feeling validated comes from is when someone's like, Hey, I'm feeling really depressed because I'm not really sure what I want to do with school. And I've studied for two years, but I just don't feel like I'm on the right path. And you might not have the same experience, but you'd be like, man, I really know what it's like to be anxious about my future. I know what you're feeling. Tell me more. Right. And then you, that, that emotion, that motivation that comes from, Oh my gosh, he's been through it. I've been through it. Maybe we can do something together to, to get through yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I call those emotionally shared experiences. You know, when you get scared, I know what fear is all about. I've had a lot of experiences in my life when I've been terrified. You know, high school, my brother had brain cancer. I didn't know if he was going to live through it. Pure terror. Fearful. He did. He did pass away from that. Right. Like, so I know what loss is like. I know what it's like to lose someone significant in my life. Um, I've had multiple friends um, end their lives through suicide. I know what it's like to lose a loved one uh, who has taken their life, right? In, in, 
I find that many, many people have had loved ones, you know, mm -hmm. uh, end their lives, you know, prematurely. And, and so we're all here left to kind of try to pick up the pieces, you know? So there's a lot of experiences that I've had that other people have had that aren't the same, but they're similar enough that you're right. We can get back to that emotional place of just saying, Hey, I, I've experienced loss and, um, this doesn't have to be about me, but you need to know that I'm willing to go into that uncomfortable place of loss with you. And that's called empathy. Right. I'll feel with you. Right. Sometimes empathy is like exactly what the doctor ordered. <laughs> right. It's like, it is the thing that another human being needs and craves is to know that someone's willing to sit within this emotion with me and we don't have to press fast forward on it and get past it as fast as possible. Like we can sit in this for however long we need to sit in it for. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that another human being would be willing to do that. You can see how that can be such a connecting unifying um, experience for both, both people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think uh, compassion is um even better than empathy at times. And then empathy is better than compassion and other times as well. Like it, they're, they're two different tools that can be used. Like for instance, um, compassion is about speaking towards someone's experience without me having to feel the same thing. So it's kind of like this internal boundary. Um, and it's a great skill set. I think a lot of people can learn is just kind of be like, you know, I see that you're hurting. I hear that you're hurting. Um, I can imagine that that would be very difficult for you to go through. I am here for you. Right. And they can be crying and they can break down and I'm going to just be the strong base that doesn't get sucked into the emotion with them. Cause sometimes that stills the, stills the, the light from their experience. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, this is my issue. I need the limelight. You know, it needs to be shining on me. Like this is about me. Right. And so sometimes when we're empathetic, it kind of takes that away. And sometimes people get turned off by that. It's like, wait, this isn't about you, Ben. Right. Um, this is about me. And so I have to be mindful of like when I use compassion versus empathy, sometimes people need me to, to cry with them, but other times they just need to know they can cry and that they're going to have a strong base. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, I just, I speak towards the issue with a lot of love and compassion and understanding and validation but I, I withhold the, like a huge measure of that emotional availability that I have for them, you know? So is that helpful? Yeah, very much so. And I like how, I like how you were able to talk about a stigma that's definitely there and something that a lot of people might be feeling or going through, but then there is a solution. Um, kind of the last thing that I want to talk about as time is, is coming to an end is those that are going through something at the moment let's say that's anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts or whatever that is, what would you say to those people? Because we talked about how we can help other people that are going through those things, but what if you yourself are going through those things? They're, the Human beings are extremely, extremely resilient. We can take a beating and we can get back up and we can get going. And if you're alive, you're a resilient person. And, and I think a lot of times when people are feeling as down and low as they feel, they don't feel like they can even reach out for help and support. But I want to, I want to say like compassionate, loving people, if, if they don't know what they don't know, they can't support you. Right. And that's the problem with isolation is like, a lot of times, a lot of us that are struggling, we can't access the support a lot of times because we're too scared to ask for help. And, and I just want to validate that that is a scary, scary thing to ask for help. And at the same time, I believe that if you dig deep enough and dig deeper than you have before, you can, you can gear up enough courage to take that, to make that step and, and reach out and ask somebody that you you trust on some level to, to get you the support that you need. So and true. And, and sometimes, sometimes uh, if you, if you're the friend of someone that, you know, is struggling, 
um, the best thing you can do is just invite them to get support. And, and, and I think some of the best times that I've had people do the best in counseling is when they come in with a friend. Their friend isn't just going to drop them off at therapy and be like, okay, therapist, fix them. <laughs> it's like, I will be with you. I'll, I'll be by your side while we're there. You know, so if you're the friend of someone that's struggling, um, be willing to show up, you know, um, but, but I really believe that if you're struggling, you can find it in you to ask for help. Um, there are ways to save face and make sure that others aren't um, going to use stigma to judge you. Um, most therapists have, um, you know, these, these, um, well, I'll say like all, all of us therapists have ethical codes to make sure that we protect your identity and that, that sort of information. Um, and, and so you can find ways to make sure that people don't know if you want to keep it silent on the down low that you're getting support, there's ways to protect your, your information and make sure that you still get that support and feel like you have some legal protection because um, therapists are bound by law to keep your information safe. Right. So um, yeah, dig, dig deep down inside of you, gear up some courage um, and, and reach out. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many people that are willing to support and help. And the reality is we, we all have burdens and I know you might feel, like you are a burden and you don't want to be a burden to another person. The reality is um, we're all a burden. I wouldn't criminalize it though. It's not a crime. It, the definition of being human is having a list of issues in life. It's to be human, to know that we struggle, but to normalize that and just be like, because we all have burdens, we need each other more. So true. Right. Like instead of saying like, because we have burdens, I don't want to be put that burden on someone else. It just shows that like, Hey, there's even a greater need to lean on each other because like, there's a saying that I love and it's just true. Um, many hands make light work. Right. And so when you, <clears throat> research shows us that individuals that are trying to overcome like a bad habit or they're trying to make change in life, they are way more likely to maintain that change if they have at least four solid, reliable people in their corner that they create accountability with. Right. And so again, we just see the, the value of connection in making any sort of positive change. And so sometimes you just have to start with one person. And then over time, as your confidence increases, reach out to that second person and then third. And eventually with time, those burdens that seem so big to place on one person, they'll feel extremely, they'll, they'll feel so much more smaller when you have many resources that you can turn to. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's reaching out is so important. And one of my favorite quotes, I won't say the whole thing, but it essentially says, I'm trying to remember the part in the quote, but it says, um, you're playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking. So the other people won't feel insecure around us. We were all meant to shine as children's zoo. It's not just in some of us, but it is in everyone. And mm -hmm. as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And so I think, this is kind of a weird paradox, but it's like, as you reach out for help, you're probably actually helping somebody else because you're helping them realize that they're not alone. Absolutely. I mean, right now, especially psychology and there's all these, there's articles and stuff that's coming out, especially right now that the majority of people are going through something. Oh yeah. And as you reach out, you're just helping other people realize, wait, you're going through that too. I know for me, when I started doing therapy with you, I started talking to close friends about what I was going through and opening up and they're like, dude, I'm going through that. Like I'm depressed. What can I do? And like, there's like probably at least eight to 10 people that were all like, dude, how did I not, you know, you were going through that. Like I'm going right. through that too. And then you just create this connection of like, Hey guys, we can do this together. We can make a difference. So I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. you, what, what you said. 
Yeah, it, it's amazing what vulnerability can do. Um, the majority of the time, you're going to be received in, in a good way by loved ones and friends. Only occasionally, rarely will someone have a really bad reaction to like disclosures. Um, but like, it's those, those, those bad experiences that we get, like that motivates the fear. Right. Right. Um, so I, I do understand that fear of like opening up the risk taking It's scary. And at the same time, um, in order to get the support, like you can really sit back and think about maybe some individuals that you trust a little bit more than others. And, and that's, that's kind of where, like, I recommend like reading Brene Brown stuff as well. She's really good with like having, you know, explaining healthy boundaries and making sure that you can protect your heart and, um, and also just make sure that you're being respected by others and and being kept safe um, and finding ways to make sure that you can connect um, in more vulnerable ways with others. So, yeah. So then to end things off, I like to believe that we can listen to motivation or we can listen to these, these podcasts and we can feel motivated in the moment, but I think the motivation slowly goes away, especially when we're faced with reality. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, to end things off, if you had to give one commitment, like one thing that anybody that's either struggling or know somebody that's struggling, if you can give them a commitment, one thing that they could do in the next day, in the next hour, whatever it is. What is one thing that you would have them do to improve maybe their own mental health or to, to be on the path to more connection in their life or whatever that is? Yeah, most like I, I kind of have a, a mantra that I, I live by. When in doubt, reach out. Okay, like um, there's so many people that sit back and they contemplate, is my issue big enough? And they can always find other people in their life that have worse issues in their life, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? What a tremendous way to minimize the reality that you're going through difficult times yourself. Push everyone else, everyone else out for just a split second, just reflect for a moment and ask you, yourself, Does you, do your issues matter? Are they heavy for you? And if so, there is no harm in just defaulting to um, when in doubt, I'm just going to reach out uh, and I'm going to get support. And I might not even know how resourceful I've been until I've reached out or how, um, how much I need to learn and grow until I've reached out. So it's like um, there, there's no wrong way to go when you're reaching out for, you know, professional support, uh, more friendship, more connection. Um, so my commitment is, um, if you, if you're doubting whether or not you need some extra support, there is absolutely no harm in just giving the support. So here we go. Here's the commitment. Will you reach out? You can reach out to me. Uh, you can, uh, you can reach out to, um, uh, Braden, right? Yeah. You can reach out to Braden. Um, we're two safe people that we're both willing to let allow people to reach out to. Um, my, uh, you cool if I just share my website? Yeah, go ahead. Please do. It's uh, www.apexgrouptherapy.com. Um, so apexgrouptherapy.com, all one word. Um, and you can, you know, schedule a consultation with my, my secretary or my assistant, uh, Rebecca. Um, she's awesome. Uh, any questions that you have or concerns, um, just come meet with me or we can do a zoom call or something like that. And if you have concerns about the counseling process or a lot of questions, let me at least have an opportunity to answer, answer your questions. And then you decide whether or not you want to go forward from there. But if you don't feel like I'd be a good fit and you prefer to work with a woman, um, I know a, a bunch of other therapists, both men and women, that I could refer you to if you have sp- special, uh, like, particular needs or, you know, if there are certain areas where you need someone that specializes in a certain topic. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely here to help you get connected with someone. Yeah. So. And uh I don't know how many people that I, that I know personally that listen to this, but I am willing to, to go sit in on that or to go with you. And uh, I think I just want to just, just to, to testify to what you were saying or to build off what you were saying. 
I personally believe everyone will benefit from therapy. We focus so much on this in this world on physical fitness and getting a physical trainer or getting somebody that will train you to be more physically fit. And there's never a point in your life that you've made it. There's not a point that's like, okay, I'm in the best physical condition ever and I can never yeah. get better, you know? And I think the same is with mental health. And I just want to just to say and to testify or to, to support therapy, no matter where you're at, whether, whether you are at the, you feel like the lowest of the lows or whether you're just kind of struggling in your daily life, therapy will help so much. It helped me. I've seen it help so many other people. And what's the harm? Not only that, therapists are so willing to work with you, whether that is financially or whether that is with your time or whether whatever it is, they will help you. That is, that's, that's their passion is to help you. So if you are on that boat, if you're doubting, why not go for a consultation and just try it out? Cause it will help so much. Or why not just reach out to a friend? Just like, you know, Ben was saying. So seriously, thank you so yeah. much for that commitment. That was awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I really love how you said that. Thank you. What's the harm? I mean, I, I honestly, Personally speaking, I thought that there'd be a lot. I was so terrified of going to therapy because I didn't want to admit to my weakness. But the second that you step in those doors and you start talking about it and get those resources to cope, oh my gosh, you feel like Superman. You feel, <laughs> yeah. you feel like you're on top of the world. You're like, man, I can get through this. I'm going to be a legend. And, <clears throat> and uh, I guess with that being said, I need to thank you to help, for helping me through that time, but also for coming onto this, this podcast and to share with us your thoughts and your insight. Yeah, anytime. Um, I, I have a passion for this kind of work. Um, and so anytime that you have other questions or, or anything like that, if you ever want me to come back, let, let me know. I'd love to do it. For sure. And, and for everybody that is, is, is listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you know somebody that is going through a difficult time, uh, let them listen to this podcast. Let them see that, that it is a normal thing to go through a difficult time. And, and I'll even post a link for uh, Ben's website if you're wanting to get that consultation or if you're wanting to, to get a little bit more help or to just see what you know might be able to, what he can do for you to help out, then we'll make that available. We, we both believe in mental health is a very normal thing. And, and thank you so much again for listening. Thank you for tuning into today's podcast until next time, guys.